following is a member of the Growler Media Podcast Network. Find out more at growlermedia.com. Ming's not unbeatable. With all his men, he couldn't even kill Flash. Gordon's alive! Welcome to Flash Gordon Minute, presenting your hosts... From Minute of Darkness and the Cosmic Geppetto Podcast, Brad. And introducing your intrepid explorer of Planet Mongo, Eric. It is Minute 48 of Flash Gordon. Eric, how are you this fine evening? I'm sorry, Brad. I have nothing droll to say for this intro because I don't want to accidentally think something that will get me in trouble with my wife. <laughs> I'm just glad you didn't you didn't say about something about getting really turned on because that would be <laughs> a really different show. Eric, we have an amazing guest and I'm incredibly um, just really excited to have joining us. And uh, please introduce uh, our new friend this week. Yes, welcome to the Flash Gordon Minute Studios, Carol Pinchevsky. She is a writer of many, many, many things, uh, but most importantly for this week. A number of articles on sci-fi.com about this very movie. Yay. Hi, Carol. Uh, so excited. Boy, um, I just was looking at your website. Uh, Carol Pinchevsky is... Ch- Pinchevsky, am I pronouncing that okay? Absolutely, you are. It's pin like the needle, chef like the cook, and sky like the thing above you. Oh, Pinchevsky. All right. <laughs> Dot com. Uh, and uh, you just you've written so much amazing stuff. And you've interviewed some really, really amazing people. Neil Gaiman, Matt Smith, uh, Paul Giamatti. Yeah. Daniel yeah. Craig, you interviewed James Bond himself. Yeah, that was fun. But also, I have interviewed Sam Jones. <gasps> who, who we know as Flash, except, wait a minute, I don't call him Flash. It's Flash, ah, Gordon. Shouldn't this be the Flash, ah, Gordon minute? <laughs> Not the Flash Gordon minute. Based on how many of our uh, guests do that, I think we we might have possibly done that instead. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I'm not unique. Oh well. <laughs> yeah, ha- it, it's it just you have to. You can't say it without doing that afterwards. I know. I know. So uh, how long did you did you speak with Mr. Jones? Um, I spoke with him for, well, what I like to tell people is I promise not to take more than 15 minutes of your time, but what I really mean is I don't want to transcribe more than 15 minutes, <laughs> so, so I, but I try to frame it in a way that's gracious, you know, just possibly the only subtle thing I've done in my life, and uh, and I spoke with him, and I have to tell you, he is the most Californian Californian, whoever California. he really is so Californian. He, he talks about his emotions and his feelings and how good it is to to serve others. And I think, oh, my God, I have to get you to New York City. <laughs> I can just smash that sunshine right out of you. Let, it's called the L train. <laughs> Uh-oh, are you dealing with the upcoming shutdown? Um, no, I'm on the Upper West Side. Luckily, oh, okay. it will affect the whole city. Yeah, luckily, luckily, um, the mayor today just announced more money in going into the ferry system. So, yay. Yeah, so. all you non-New Yorkers out there, uh, the L train's a major train that goes into Brooklyn, and they're going to be shutting it down for, what is it, a couple of years or something? A year part? and a half. Yeah, and so it's it's causing all kinds of controversy of how they're going to deal with it here in the city. Sweet fancy Moses, that is, 
And, and I'm not a New Yorker, but even I know that's terrible. Oh. Yeah, but there's going to be more fairies, and more fairies are a good thing. Oh, that is a good thing. That is a good thing. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to right. talk about... This is not MTA Minute. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a terrible show. Ugh. No, it wouldn't. Fairies are awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it would just me be me complaining about the R train for seven hours. <laughs> so, uh, uh, and we don't have the um, the space vehicles that yes, that they true. that they have. <laughs> uh, Eric, to walk us through minute forty-eight. It's uh, ah, you know, I, Carol. I feel bad because so much cool stuff happens next week. Uh, but we're going to have a lot of cool stuff talking with you about. I'm very excited about this, but, but let, let's, Eric, let's do it. Minute 48. Wait, All no, right, I, well, dis- oh. I disagree. I disagree. This is a very good set of three minutes. Oh, oh we, are, minutes. we are so glad you think so. Yes. Yeah. That's <laughs> what I love, a positive attitude. Yes. Woo-hoo. Well, we start out uh, where we left off at the end of last week, Flash and Dale having the little telepathic conversation. Uh, and, and right at the beginning of the minute, uh, Brad, as you alluded to uh, back in our intro, uh, Aura's uh, stirring up some feelings in Flash. And um, I really, I, I just, I love uh, Melody Anderson's facial expression as, as she says, you know, I, I didn't quite get that thought. And it's just, just such a, just, ugh, men. I mean, you know, just, excuse me, could, could you repeat that again? What, what was that? Love that. It, it, it's great. And Melody Anderson doing some great work in this scene. And, Oh, it must have been so funny filming this where, all right, just pretend you're hearing him. He says that another girl is turning him on and you're, you're giving him a chance to repeat himself and the look on her face. And uh, it, it's just pretty funny. And God bless poor Flash. Up until this point, he was doing a, uh, a, a real good job ignoring the uh, stunning aura as uh, she was doing her darndest to get his attention, but uh, he, he finally cracked and uh, in the worst way possible. Well, I, I don't think he did crack, actually. If you notice, um, uh, he's not really, even at this point, he's not really making out with Princess Aura. He is being made out with by <laughs> Princess Aura. He's not doing any of the work she is. Um, you know, he's being a gentleman. He appears to be sitting on his hands. he's just making sure just like just not risking it yeah and and by the way um sam jones said that this was one of his two favorite scenes to film oh i can't imagine why (laughs) (laughs) yeah so uh i mean i thought i thought that flash handled it quite well i'm sure when he uh when he got the shooting schedule he had this day circled in red and black on his calendar he was uh <laughs> what was the other favorite scene um the fight scene with prince baron oh on the disc uh-huh right oh okay all right very interesting that that, that gives us a little look into uh into sam jones soul so uh those, those are two good uh scenes that it would be it'd be crazy if it was the other one was something completely ridiculous it's like when he was getting uh, i don't know He's like, yeah, it was just really fun walking around in the leather diaper before I got uh, executed. <laughs> <laughs> that was surprisingly comfortable if he had said that. But uh, no, I. Uh, but this, this, that makes sense. Those are good choices for him. Uh, and then flash slips, and then, uh, but, but uh, as as girl points out, he's still being good. He's. Uh, there's, I don't think there's anything that uh, is a real dumpable offense so far. <laughs> Except he he. He tries to cover it, and 
he really screws it up because he says, forget about it. I wasn't thinking about you. <laughs> and she's like, what? Like, wait, wait, ho, ho, what do you mean? You're getting turned on. You're not thinking about me. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And she's like, all right, I'm going to hang up. And I, I know she says she's got to hang up because the other woman's coming in the room. But the timing just works out perfectly. Like, oh, all right. I, I'm just I'm just done with you. I <laughs> also just love the idea of I have to hang up. It's like, it's not a phone. <laughs> right. I thought that was really funny. Hang up. But not just that. I mean, nobody hangs up anymore. I mean, we did because we're old, but nobody actually hangs up. They just press a button that says off or or swipe to the red section or something. So hanging up is just it's uh, outdated. I um I have three young kids, uh, Carol. They are eight, six, and six. So they are not old enough yet to have uh, a phone, cell phones or anything like that. I'm just wondering, they're not going to have the satisfaction when the time comes, when they do have their phones and they get into those arguments with their boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever. Uh, you know, They're not going to have the satisfaction of slamming down the phone at the end. Just like, <laughs> they're just going to yell a profanity into the phone and it's like, and now I'm going to delicately push the button because I don't want to break this phone. <laughs> or better yet, when you're, when you're talking with a boy you like and you get to play with the phone cord. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they will not have that satisfaction, but they will not have the satisfaction of of telepathically communicating someone. Well, we don't know. There's still there's time. There's time. Oh, right. Dale has to quote unquote hang up, and I just Eric, just 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 walk me through. It, it's, oh, I have to do it. Okay. You you got to well, do this. One. Well, yeah, uh, we talked about it last week at length, and uh, it's back. The roofie drink. Uh, they're bringing her a second round of the roofie drink. I guess the first round wasn't enough. Uh, I don't know. Carol, Carol, what do you think about the roofie drink? You mean the space row hypnol? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I was wondering a few things, and I think the first question in my mind was, why did the slave give Dale the space row hypnol when Dale already had the space row hypnol in the previous scene? Yeah, I don't know if maybe they've never had humans before. Do humans need additional dosage i don't know i i don't either but um another thing i noticed the bed that they're on is uh perfectly round and 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 what is it um satin round and satin it's pretty much the exact same bed you find in the 1974 film phantom of the paradise do you remember that oh damn carol doing a deep dive yeah mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> so it's the exact same 70s bed, which which proves yet again to me that even though Flash Gordon was made in 1980, it still has 70s sensibilities. Oh, yeah, this is a 1970s bed. Absolutely. Yeah, but no, the whole movie has oh, sure. 1970s sensibility. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is not this is this is the last gasp of the 70s. And, and I'm looking at the bed in from Phantom of the uh Phantom of Paradise. Yep, that is a... I guess there's just something specifically decadent about a round bed for whatever reason. I, I, I've i seen a handful of movies, and it's always the the sort of creepy seducer who has yeah. the round bed. And yeah. uh, this is perhaps this being a very good example we're watching right now. I don't... Has anybody ever seen a round bed in, in, real, in the real world? Maybe in the seventies. Perhaps in the seventies, it was yeah. uh, there was a lot of cocaine going around. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, 
Now, I've never seen this movie, so I just Googled this, and yeah, that uh, I'm looking at the bed right now on Google. Yeah. You have never seen Phantom of the Paradise? No. <laughs> oh, 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 Eric. <laughs> you have, a, oh, I, you have <laughs> a lot to look forward to. I see, although I see Paul Williams did the soundtrack, so I'm already sold. Yes, it's a great soundtrack. An early Brian De Palma, and I'm a De Palma guy. Uh-huh, yeah. This one escaped my notice, too. I think my What? De- what? I know. I know. Oh my God. Well, my- I'm, I'm geekier than the Flash Gordon minute. <laughs> Brad and I are shamed. <laughs> my my De Palma really began with Untouchables. I loved Untouchables. And uh, I, I've... Began with Untouchables? <laughs> no, it began, and I, I suffered through a lot of bad De Palma afterwards. Googling it, cause I, because I'm old, I forgot the name. Um, Blowout. Yeah, Blowout. Blowout didn't... Wasn't that the one that seized you? <laughs> I just remember watching Untouchables and the the amazing subway scene and that... And some really... Some of the great stuff from that. But it was an action movie, so it was... And I was pretty young when that, that came out. So it was action enough where it could grab a kid's attention, but some of the cool, quirky stuff that he would do was still interesting. Uh, so I became a De Palma fan after that, but he, uh, I, I, I was one, I was the guy who saw Bonfire of the Vanity in theaters. Ah, oh, uh-huh. You, you know, the, um, it wasn't the subway, it was the train station, and, um, you know, he was, um, paying homage to the movie Battleship Potemkin with that, right? Do you know that? I actually read, oh, what was the book? There was a book about, uh, about Bonfire of the Vanities just talking about how much of a disaster the movie was. Devil's Candy? No, I meant the Untouchables. I meant the Untouchables. The Untouchables yeah. had the, the Battleship Potemkin homage. Um, I don't remember Bonfire, the Vanities film set. However, um, I have a friend who says it's the best book he's ever read. And the same author did the right stuff. Like, how can you like Bonfire of the Vanities over Tom Wolfe's The Right Stuff? Why? How? <laughs> <laughs> now, The Right Stuff? Now that I've seen. Yes. Have you read the book? Yes, I actually did. Yeah. Wasn't it great? Yes, it was. Absolutely fantastic. These people were crazy. Absolutely crazy. Wolf is an amazing writer who eh, lost his fastball. Yeah. All right. As sometimes happens, uh, success didn't really... Uh, sometimes success can be... Especially the sort of amazing success that he had can really... Uh, could not have the best outcome, but uh, amazing writer. Bonfire Vanners, very good book, really bad movie, because it wasn't a book that uh, naturally inclined to a movie, perhaps, uh, and miscast Tom Hanks when yeah. he was at, at the peak of his likability. It's like, okay, you're going to play a jerky lawyer who's cheating on your wife. It's like, eh, it's Tom Hanks. <laughs> and the way you said it, just like Tom Hanks. <laughs> <laughs> but this isn't Bonfire the Vanity Minute or Brian De Palma Minute. It's not yeah, right. I'm Stuff so Minute, not Tom Wolf Minute. Yeah, Please. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Forgive oh, me. no, no. Oh, no. This, you, you, this is our MO. This is, oh, how okay. we, this, is, this is how we do it. That's how you roll. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, um, um, so we're at the slave moment. And um, the, the other thing that struck me about the slave is that she's as well-dressed as Dale is. And there's nothing about her that says slave. I mean, she is, she's quaffed, you know, she's got makeup, she's got, 
you know, this, this fancy outfit. She has the same, you know, hair and, and headgear as Dale. There is nothing about her that says slave. And I'm just wondering what the, uh, what the dynamics are in Mongo. Like, are, are slaves, do they have rights? And I thought about that too, where in my first, I was like, I guess just everyone's supposed to look sexy. Everyone's supposed to dress sexy. And I just, I was like, you know, you can still go with a sexy look, even like a, and I've, I've seen this in in other movies, especially this sort of campy sci-fi, like the sexy short skirt toga as a way they could have done that to sort of differentiate because you're right. If they would have said that she was another one of the concubines or something along those lines, I would that that would have made sense. But her just you know being just a slave girl is like yeah you're 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 sort of dolled up there to and, and definitely well quaffed. So uh, I don't know. It, it, I I want to say, Eric, could this be another case? The next uh, instance of lazy writing where they just said slave girl but they didn't really costume for slave girl but they didn't change the script yeah i don't know because you know like i mean even the 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 women the four women that were with dale last week um in the previous minute when they were first giving her the drink so i i in watching that scene you know i figured they were all concubines but now is it possible they all were slave girls and there's you certainly can't tell uh like carol says from the look of them uh you know, what's the difference? Or do, you know, are they interchangeable? If you're a concubine and you make Ming angry, does he bump you down to slave girl? Oh, okay. Ranking system. And let's be honest, I'm pretty sure Ming's the sort of guy, he's not, he's, he's the sort of guy who was going to sleep with a slave girl. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I don't, she says, you know, slave girls, she's not allowed to drink the drink. And it seems to me like Ming wouldn't probably care. But that does imply that there's a caste system that's yeah, it does. forbidden yeah. to do certain things. And and when when Dale offers her the drink, she immediately looks behind her, looks around like, oh, I'm doing something not legal or not allowable to me. She's going to get into so much trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. If they had, uh, if they had kept the camera rolling after uh, being discovered, the slave girl was there and not, uh, and not Dale. I, I don't think it would turn out well for the slave girl. This is this is peer pressure at its worst because the the slave girl's day is going to get significantly worse after this. Yep. Yeah, that drinking the space for hypnol is the uh, the best moment she'll have all day. <laughs> and a uh, little info on the actress playing, who is it's actually serving girl, is the actual uh, credit uh-huh. there. Her name is Suzanne Danielle, and she's a British actress. She was active mostly in the 80s. She's done essentially nothing since the 80s, uh, and including she played Emmanuel in one of the Emmanuel movies. I don't know what that is. Um, Brad, you take that one. <laughs> They were very Cinemax after dark. Oh, I see. I see. Okay. <laughs> um, oh, I get it. But very 70s-ish. Uh, and it just weirdly, but uh, I don't know. It, it, it's one of those things where with everything, I guess, name value uh, has value, including in, uh, you know, uh, softcore adult entertainment uh so i i, I want to say george clooney's ex-girlfriend was like in a series of 
Emmanuel in space or something like that. So, <laughs> well, why didn't she just go all the way and star in Flesh Gordon? <laughs> oh gosh, that is Darf. I Carol, I cannot believe you were the first guest to bring up Flesh <laughs> Gordon. <laughs> oh great! <laughs> Yay me! <laughs> I get I get the safe rapey scene and I and I name check Flush Gordon. Yeah. I saw it at a party. I saw it at a party with, you know, twenty of my closest friends. And we just all sat back and watched Flush Gordon. It was uh it was fascinating. I actually remember I worked at a video oh gosh, kids, we're really going far back we're really going to the way back machine. What with the word video Yeah. <laughs> video- <laughs> I worked at a video store. I worked at Video Update, so I didn't even get to work at like the classy Blockbuster. <laughs> <laughs> and it had a book of reviews, like Leonard Maltin's, you know, big old book of reviews. And, and you know, when you work at a video store, there's just a lot like periods of where all you're doing is just paging through and looking at reviews. And they had a review of Flesh Gordon in it. And the people <laughs> who are not familiar, that is. The, the the porn version of this uh, world and it actually gave it a good review and this wasn't like it wasn't like the adult movie review book it was just like a regular book of reviews but for some reason they decided to I, I think that came out there have been weird periods in film history where and this is sort of what the movie the Mark Wahlberg Boogie Nights is about right. where there uh-huh. have been periods where pornographic films have come sort of close to respectability. Yeah, it it had production value. It had well, not great acting, but it had an attempt at acting. It came out in 1974. Predates Star Wars. Does it really? Ah, oh. it predates our Flash Gordon. <laughs> wow. And the the, the, the review, I remember, and this is the weird stuff that sticks in my head. I remember the review actually point out how good the miniature work was in Flash Gordon. <laughs> I was like, well, I I bet the people who are watching that movie do not care. (laughs) (laughs) But you see, my friends and I do care about that sort of thing. (laughs) So, and I'm fascinated by the idea of this. So, party, 20 of you and 20 of your closest friends, was it just that the movie was on in the background and all of a sudden somebody became, or you, you went with the intention of watching this movie? Piled into a friend's room, all 20 of us, and sat in, around a tiny little television and watched it. That sounds like a college thing. Yeah, yeah, it was. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but actually, I, I don't even think I was in college. I think I was at a science fiction convention. Ah, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. All the pieces are coming together. All right. So, uh, Brad, I'm going to stretch our PG-13 rating of our show here a bit because Flash Gordon is Flash Gordon. Dale is Dale Ardor. Uh-huh. Uh, the Emperor Ming is Emperor Wang the Perverted. <laughs> and Han Zarkov, Brad, if you think that I'm crossing the line, just bleep me out. It's Dr. Flexi Chukov. <laughs> oh, Craig T. Nelson is an uncredited voice as the great god porno. What the hell? Craig yes. T. Nelson. Fantastic. <laughs> Coach? Coach. <laughs> or the dad and poltergeist <laughs> and the dad and, Mr. and the incredibles as well <laughs> I, wow I, I, oh okay no, 
when you are a young actor, you will take whatever is off. Oh, sure. Yeah. Really? He had, a, he, had a, he had a buy dinner that night, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, you know, George Clooney, he was in, uh, oh, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Now we're all starting to level back together in our uh, geekiness. (laughs) Yep, because, well, we're geeky and old. Geeky and old. (laughs) My brain is just exploding right now. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to derail towards pornography. (laughs) But no, I I watched it. I I enjoyed it, you know, because what, what is there to not like about hanging out with 20 of your closest friends, you know, watching something really cheesy together. And <laughs> you were Mystery Science Theater 3000 before there was a Mystery Science Theater 3000. That sort of stuff is just fine. And I don't know, this, this is uh, this is an interesting uh, trail to go down. But, you know, the, the 70s with the adult fair was a lot different than anything of the same genre today. Uh, because it, it was cheesy, there, and it was people who were really trying to be actors who, and it was that period where they thought, oh, maybe this will, I'll just do this for a little bit, and then I'll work my way into mainstream, which rarely ever happened. I think you, you had Stallone doing his dirty movie, and really, the Italian Stallion, the Italian Stallion. I didn't know that. Wow. Oh, okay. Well, here's our second video update story. It was a video store where there was the back room, the the you know, the, the the dirty movie back room. They said, one person walked in, he's like, oh, you know what movie they got back there? Is like they're pretty much all the same movie, aren't they? He's like, no, no, no. They got Italian Stallion. And to the listeners, aren't familiar with, um, not too long after uh, Sylvester Stallone uh, had his big breakthrough with Rocky. Uh, they found a. It turns out he had been in a dirty movie called "The Party at Kitty and Studs." Ugh. Oh, I, that, that, I, I feel dirty just hearing the name of that movie. <laughs> just scrub myself down. He was what? paid two hundred million dollars for his uh, performance. Billion? Uh, two hundred. Two hundred dollars. Yes. <laughs> and after uh, Rocky came out, they re-released it under the name Italian Stallion. Said it's, I said, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah Italian Stallion, Sylvester Stallone's dirty movie. And the very sweet, grandmotherly old lady who also worked at the video store said, well, I got to see this. And she ran, <laughs> rented the movie. Smash got to 24 hours later. I was like, well... Dolores, do you enjoy your movie? She's like, eh, you can keep your Sylvester Stallone. It's like, wow. <laughs> She's, he was dissed by a grandmother. <laughs> no. Yeah. So, I, yeah. So, that's, uh, that's yes. So, that's my second video update story i'm pretty sure that's the uh, we might hold a record for most mentions of video update in a podcast <laughs> <laughs> we've got two howard blake cues here uh non-queen music numbers 16 and 17 in the movie as dell talks to the servant girl there's some synth background music and then at the end of the minute as the servant girl drinks the roofie if you'll remember last week there was that goofy little like flute or fife being played when uh, uh, Dale drinks the, the roofie because it's humorous for women to, to you know, be rehypnolled. 
there, there's some more lighthearted music here as the serving girl drinks the roofie as well. So it's just a big goofy thing, you know. I uh, I noticed that, and I really did not care for that happy yeah. music. Yeah. You know, really, just really bad musical choice there by Howard Blake and the director. Yes, it was a different time. But, but, I, <laughs> but I do say I. I can't say I liked that scene, but I did like that Dale was thinking on her feet. Like, okay, how do I get out of this terrible situation? Uh, I'm about to be, uh, I'm about to, you know, have an encounter with Ming. How the hell do I get out of this? But I also like that, you know, she, as we know later, and I, I shouldn't bring up later minutes into this minute, but she's thinking about the fate of Earth. So that's the other reason she's trying to escape. You know, she's not just trying to save herself. She's trying to save the Earth. So... I I like that. There's some fun agency and Dale sort of becoming her own person and that begins in this minute. And it, this is the same character that five, ten minutes ago fainted twice right. in, in a 45-second in a span. So uh, it's, it's actually the beginning of some cool stuff for her. It's a little out of nowhere, but, you know, it, it, it's baby steps. Right. So, all right, so that's, uh, so, yes, the two more Howard Blakes. Uh, we, we, we love Howard. Obviously, this, when you think music and Flash Gordon, you think Queen, but uh, Howard Blake did some uh, great work. Uh, so that's a good call out. Uh, anything else for for Minute 48, Eric? Oh, let, let's, let's put the, let's put this behind us, because <laughs> we, we got, we got another tough, uh, we got another tough minute coming up here, so let's, uh, tomorrow will be good, but then, Thursday's minute's gonna gonna be rough again. I'm up for, I'm up for the challenge. <laughs> oh yes, we, that's what we can tell. This, this has been a lot of fun. We're gonna continue to have fun this week. Carol, can people uh, find out more about your writing? Let me tell you, I'm I'm kind of on pause with sci-fi at the moment because I am working on a non-fiction book about geek culture. So I'm I'm ready to send it off to a to an agent. Fingers crossed. So you know, here's. Here's hoping that that it sells, and then if it does, you can buy it. <laughs> then you can find it in bookstores. But until then, I'm at carolpinchevsky.com, and I sell to sci-fi, but I've sold the occasional article to – I just sold something to Playboy. And I am I also write for um, uh, Hewlett Packard's Insights. I write, I write humorous takes on technology. Very cool. Well, we recommend everyone uh, check out your website. We'll include that with uh, the link for this episode. Uh, Carol, this has been wonderful and really appreciate it. And I'm very excited to talk to, uh, to more with you over the next coming days. So uh, thank you very much. Thank you. And uh, Eric, uh, looking forward to doing this again tomorrow. Uh, I'm feeling pretty good. But uh, it's, it's, it's not all wine and roses. I, I have my concern. I do too because we, we, didn't, we didn't plug any of our stuff. Oh, yeah. Jeez, first, let's plug that. <laughs> That's how worried I am. I'm just completely f screwing with the format of this show. Please chat with us, especially about this exciting minute we've just discussed on the Flash Gordon Minute Listener's Vortex on Facebook. Twitter, Flash Gordon Pod, or send us an email about what you think about how Dale got out of this. Flash Gordon Minute at gmail.com. Yeah, and uh, we love our ratings and reviews on iTunes. Uh, the more ratings and reviews we get, the more visibility we get. So, uh, you know, all right. So, so now, Eric, let me let me tell you what's been weighing upon my mind. Uh, as we were recording, they just released the video for the Celine Dion song "Ash," which is going to be featured in Deadpool 2. Which 
that's just the craziest sentence that was ever said. And uh, my concern is, I sort of like the song. And I don't know what that says about me. Celine Dion. Uh, well, I haven't heard the song. I don't plan on hearing the song. When I see Deadpool 2, I might stick my fingers in my ears instead of listening to the song. Celine Dion. Yeah, well... If you're worried about what'll happen if you start singing that song from Titanic or something like that, don't worry about it, Brad. Flash will save everyone. Attention listeners! You can follow us on Twitter at FlashGordonPod and join the conversation on Facebook in the Flash Gordon Minute Listener's Vortex. Stay tuned for our next thrilling episode of Flash Gordon Minute. to say these prayers aren't working anymore every word shot down in flesh what's left to do with these broken pieces on the floor I'm losing my voice calling on you Cause I've been shaking, I've been bending backwards till I'm broke Watching all these dreams go up in smoke Let beauty come out of ashes Let beauty come out of ashes Come out